Hello and welcome to the latest European Respiratory Journal podcast. My name is James Chalmers. I'm the Deputy Chief Editor of the European Respiratory Journal and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Peter Middleton from the University of Sydney in Australia uh, to talk about an exciting new development which is the ERS Thoracic Society of Australia and New Zealand Task Force on the management of patients during pregnancy. Peter, welcome. Thank you, James. It's lovely to be here. So I'm going to kick off with a question for those readers who haven't had a chance to read the paper yet. It's now online at the European Respiratory Journal website. What are the key clinical messages from your point of view in this new task force? Well, James, I think the first thing to say about this task force is that it's the first combined task force between the European Respiratory Society and the Thoracic Society of Australia and New Zealand, which has actually been endorsed by the European CF Society, as obviously there are quite a few details here that are directly relevant for CF. So that in itself is quite unique. The key clinical messages from this task force is that there's really a lot that we actually don't know about how to manage women with airways disease during pregnancy and what really we should be doing. And I think the task force actually highlights that there is a lot of ignorance about what we should be doing as clinicians when we're faced with a lady with airways disease who now wants to become pregnant or is indeed pregnant already. Uh, and I, I think those of us that are practicing clinically every day recognize that, that um, many find um, the management of patients with airways disease during pregnancy very challenging not least because of a lack of clear guidance on what we should be doing. So was that the was that the motivation for the task force? Is that why you thought it's important to provide uh, a statement on this topic? Uh, a statement was really to provide clinicians with uh, a single document that would guide them about where the standard of care is at the moment, and also to provide researchers with justification to actually do further studies in the future. Yeah, and I think it does that very nicely. Um, but one of the things that's notable about the task force is we're very used to, to guidelines that make specific clinical recommendations. Uh, and this is very much a statement rather than a guideline. And I wonder if you can just explain the difference for our listeners, but also why you chose to go for a statement rather than a guideline. Okay, so for readers who um, may not know the, the subtle differences between a statement and a guideline, uh, you need a lot of good uh, level A evidence to really have a guideline to, as it were, proscribe what clinicians should be doing when they have a patient with a particular condition in front of them. Our task force highlighted that there really is not very much good evidence for most of the obstructive airways disease. In some areas in asthma, there is some data coming out. But for bronchiectasis and for cystic fibrosis, there really is not very much to guide a clinician. Our statement actually clarifies that a lot of this is based on clinician discretion or so-called expert opinion. So in that situation, the statement is there to highlight to people that we do need more studies. We do need to systematically look at this area and work out what needs to be measured and what needs to be addressed. And where where do you think the majority of the evidence for this sort of thing comes from? Because pregnant women, of course, are all, almost always excluded from randomised clinical trials. 
And so I guess to find evidence to inform a task force like this is very challenging. Indeed, and, and much of the data for even drug safety during pregnancy is actually based on cohorts or case series rather than true double-blind randomised placebo-controlled trials. And you're quite right, James, that unfortunately pregnancy is an exclusion and many new drugs, in fact, women have to sign on the dotted line that they would use even two forms of contraception to ensure that there is no pregnancy during the trial. So unfortunately, the data for the safety of drugs during pregnancy really lags for a number of years after that of the general population. And in many areas, uh, many of the drugs that we use in airways disease at the moment, I think it's probably fair to say we just don't know what the the situation is with regard to the safety in pregnancy. Even common antibiotics, uh, we compare drug A with drug B, and generally we say, well, we think both of them are safe. But if you get very large groups together, then you may find that one class of antibiotics is not quite as safe as um, and we get into all of the discussion about the quality of observational data and the, the issues of things like bias by indication. So with all of that challenge to the evidence base that you had, was there anything in the task force that particularly controversial or generated a lot of debate? There was nothing that was particularly controversial as such, but I think it was useful to actually sit down and try and compare all the different data and all the different documents that uh, describe the risks of the different drugs. And I think from a clinician's point of view, to have lots of different drugs in the same table will actually be very helpful. Because if you're trying, you have someone in front of you with a chest infection and you want to give them some antibiotics, you might have to, you might have four or five different antibiotics that you could choose. And how you make that choice without a table of all four or five in at the same time to compare the risk during the first trimester, during uh, breastfeeding, during parturition, all of those things. So I think setting goalposts here by having a single table with all of those different antibiotics so that the clinician can actually compare and contrast quite quickly. And in that, we have the primary references actually listed. So for those who really want to delve deep into the exact details, they can actually find those references quite quickly and then read the primary reports themselves. It does put all of that information into one place that's easy for for clinicians to access. We actually color-coded the table for the clinician who is busy with a patient to be able to just graphically see whether something is safe or possibly safe or probably safe or whether it should definitely be avoided. Yeah. So as a as a final question for this this podcast, so this topic changes all the time and new data emerges all of the time uh, with regard to the safety of medicines. And this is particularly uh, real this week because just last week in the um, British Medical Journal, a new study came out showing an increased risk of of malformations, including cardiac malformations with macrolide use during pregnancy. And macrolides, as you know, are very widely used in different airways diseases now. Uh, How does this task force and how do you as a clinician suggest that uh, clinicians approach this topic when new data emerges that suggests a problem with 
with medicines that we use in airways disease? Well, I think this will be able to say as of uh, the end of 2019, this was the state of the art as far as knowledge was concerned. The macrolide versus penicillin story is a very interesting one as they've actually uh, linked up for the majority of the analyses both erythromycin and clarithromycin and azithromycin, which, as you know, are 14-member and 15-member um, macrolides. And it is quite possible that the 15-member macrolides, i.e. azithromycin, are not quite as dangerous of, as those of the 14 members. So I think really we have to tease out the exact details of that to see whether azithromycin truly is as bad as the other macrolides or whether in fact it's halfway towards a penicillin. Yeah, and I think that the other key message that, that I always uh, put across is that uncontrolled airways disease during pregnancy is extremely dangerous uh, and theref mm. therefore this is always a balance of the risks and benefits of all of the meds. Indeed, and for women with airways disease that are using um, macrolides as an immunomodulatory drug, it could well be that it's quite different from this recent study in BMJ, where it was just for a course of treatment for a particular infection. Yeah, so I think um, this is an extremely difficult and sometimes very emotive topic, and it's very useful now to have uh, written evidence-based statements on this topic uh, now available in the European Respiratory Journal. So um, I'll leave the last word to you, Peter. Is there anything else that you'd like to say about the, the task force or about this topic? Well, I think the important thing is the task force is just as a step forward for both the ERS and TZANs. And I think that this will allow us to build with future data on whether certain interventions, drug therapies, or um, indeed uh, management styles can improve the treatment of women with airways disease during pregnancy. That's great, Peter. So thank you for joining us for the European Respiratory Journal podcast this month. Uh, to our readers, the task force is available online at the European Respiratory Journal website now, so you can read the, the recommendations that we've been talking about today. It's a a unique task force, both from the, the point of view of the topic that it's covering, but also, as Peter has said, the fact that it's a collaboration between two thoracic societies that haven't produced guidance in this way before. Uh, so please go and look forward to seeing you next month or hearing you next month on the, the next ERS podcast. Uh, and again, thank you, Peter.